This is the Airplane Geeks Podcast. Our aim is to educate and inform you, explore and expand your passion for aviation, and entertain you a little along the way. I'm Max Flight. With this episode, we begin our summer 2023 hiatus. That means the hosts won't be gathering each week to record a new episode. But we do plan to continue publishing something for you to listen to each week. So maybe that's not technically a hiatus. Well, let's see. Uh, Miriam Webster says, let's see, H-A-I-T-U-S. Ah, a pause or gap in a sequence, series, or process. Hmm. Well, maybe the hosts are on hiatus, but the Airplane Geeks podcast itself is not. I don't know. I'm calling it a hiatus. Anyway, starting with the next episode, we will be replaying guest interviews from our back catalog. Now, some will be ancient classics with former co-hosts that some of you have never even heard. Others will be more recent and familiar. But with episodes going back to 2008, there's a lot to choose from. So as for this episode, it's a little different, and it comes in two parts. The first topic is Breeze Airways. We have some interviews that our main man, Micah, recorded at the celebration of the Breeze Airways inaugural flight on May 17th, 2023, at the Portland International Jetport, PWM. Then we have an interview that Micah and Brian recorded with Brett Snyder, a.k.a. Cranky, from Cranky Flyer, Cranky Concierge, and a lot of other cranky things. He's been on the podcast many times, and the conversation is always interesting. Okay, first, Breeze Airways. You'll hear Micah speaking with Lucas Johnson, Breeze Airways Chief Commercial Officer, Julie Oliphant, a Breeze Trainer, Ryan Hamner, a Breeze First Officer, also Paul Bradbury, you've heard him before, the Director of the Portland International Jetport, and then also Lynn Tillotson, President and CEO of Visit Portland. All right, they're all queued up. I'll press play. Micah will kick it off, then we'll roll through the interviews. We've been following David Nealman here on the Airplane Geeks for quite some time now. He's the founder of five successful airlines, Morris Air, WestJet, JetBlue Airways, Azul Brazilian Airlines, and his latest venture, Breeze Airways. He worked for Southwest after he sold Morris Air to them, and he's the co-owner of Tap Air Portugal. David Nealman is a regular airline mogul. So why am I telling you about David Nealman? Well, his presence has stretched to Portland, Maine for a second time. Yes, he brought JetBlue here a few years ago when he was still with them, and now he's brought Breeze Airways to PWM, the Portland Jetport. Breeze Airways will be offering year-round nonstop service from Portland to Tampa, Florida, and Charleston, South Carolina. There will also be seasonal service to Westchester and Islip, New York, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Norfolk, Virginia. Breeze Airways made its inaugural flight in and out of Portland on May 17th, and there was a big celebration that I was fortunate enough to be invited to attend. There was a water cannon salute, a champagne christening, and lobster rolls for passengers and everyone on hand. And while all of that was great, my favorite part was being able to see a Bombardier C-Series, that's an Airbus A220, for the very first time. 
It's a beautiful aircraft, from the cockpit to the galley and even underneath it on the ground. Although David Nealman was originally scheduled to attend this celebration, last-minute commitments changed this possibility. But I was still able to talk to a few folks from Breeze Airways, plus the president and CEO of VisitPortland.com, as well as our old friend, Jetport Director, Paul Bradbury. Here's what they had to say. We're talking with Lucas Johnson, the Chief Commercial Officer with Breeze Airways. And Lucas, welcome to Portland, Maine, and welcome Breeze to Portland, Maine. Thank you so much. Uh, incredibly excited to be here. It's a great event. You know, people, the, the whole city is excited, and uh, you can see, uh, you can see, you know, everybody wanting to get out. You know, Lucas, we have listeners from all over the world, and many of them may not be really familiar with Breeze. Um, can you tell us a little bit about both the history and, and the philosophy of the airline? Sure. So we started uh, as a company uh, about five years ago. Uh, David Nealman um, of, of great uh, uh, aviation fame uh, started up his fifth airline, and uh, I met him about five years ago uh, to the day. And uh, we started service about two years ago um, uh, with the Embraer E-Jets E-190s and 195s. Um, and about one year ago, we took delivery of our first A220 aircraft. And so out here today um, at the Portland uh, main inaugural is uh, is one of our brand new uh, A220 aircraft. It's uh, it's beautiful. Um, everybody's gotten to take a look inside, and so yeah. Now we're about 30 aircraft right now, um, going to 40 by the end of the year. So a lot of growth plans coming. Well, you're the chief commercial officer for Breeze. What does that mean? What did you do, and how did you start with them? What's your background? Yeah, so I, you know, I was, uh, I was a math major in college, but uh, you know, when I broke into the industry, um, I was I led the commercial team at Allegiant uh, for most of the 2010s. Uh, when I met David, I'd always wanted to start an airline, and you know, having his background of starting that many um, was was really interested and had a lot of the same business ideas about some of the underserved markets and mid-sized markets, which Portland was one of them. Uh, and so as we, you know, went and developed and, and learned and, and figured out which uh, destinations and, and markets made the most sense. Um, we, we grew the network from there. So on the commercial side, typically what commercial means, um, it's it's mostly the revenue side. It's network planning. It's scheduling, marketing. Uh, we've got the technology team, uh, airport affairs team, and, and things of that nature. But it's it's more it's all about the you know the airline strategy. Where we're going to fly is, is the most common question I get from everybody, both guests and uh, and team members. You know, um, you mentioned the new A220, and it's gorgeous. I I was just inside, and uh, first time on an A220, but I've been following that since it first started. You know, right now, you're a fleet of three aircraft types, and uh, I was wondering, between the A220 and the the, the E190 and E195, do you see that changing in the near future? Are you going to a one-aircraft type fleet like some of the other airlines have done? Yeah, I would say that you know the bulk of our scheduled service product is going to be uh, is going to be on the A220 side. You know, we've got 80 uh, aircraft on order. We've got uh, just a delivery of our 13th, uh, you know, A220. So the bulk of our you know guest service, our scheduled service, is going to be on that side. And uh, on the Embraer side, it, it's um, it's a little bit of different aircraft type. It's a little bit smaller. It's more flexible. Um, right now, we've used a lot of it actually. Um, one of our you know our 190s mostly done charter flying this year. So um, it adds a it adds some variability. And, and what we can do as is, is a company uh, to grow the business. Well, and you're offering the A220 service down to Tampa, which is the longest route from here in Portland. And I guess you're running the uh, E195 down to uh, South Carolina to Charleston. Is that correct? 
Yeah, that's correct. And we've also got uh, Embraer service to uh, to Norfolk uh, and also to Islip and to Pittsburgh. So, um, so on the you know the EJET is is good at uh, you know shorter coastal routes. Um, Portland's a you know a summer heavy destination inbound, um, and we're just starting today, um, but it's looking great, and we're looking to grow in the future. As you can tell, I am thrilled that you are here, and I think it's just great. But what brought you to Portland? What made you decide to bring Breeze to Portland? You know, it's it's a it's a market we've studied. Um, you know, it's a it's a, you know a medium sized city. It's a great destination, um, and it's got different uh, you know different peaks both for the summer and you know when it gets colder in the winter, people are going to want to head south. So, given that we had uh, you know based aircraft in you know Florida and South Carolina and Virginia, um, it made a lot of sense that we we're going to be able to to carry people both uh, you know a little bit more inbound in the summer and a little bit more southbound in in the winter out of here. The Airplane Geeks has a lot of young listeners and a lot of people that want to get involved with aviation. Is Breeze hiring? If people wanted to to uh, work here in Portland or any place else, are there opportunities with Breeze right now? Yeah, there's absolutely opportunities. You know, our headquarters are, are out in Utah, but you know, most of our flying is out on the East Coast. So whether it's at the the station level or you want to become a crew member, you know, we're we're growing quite a bit. Um, you know, we are up in seats. You know, uh, about uh, four times in ASMs year over year. So uh, tremendous amount of growth. I think from February to June uh, to this summer, we're actually doubling our uh, capacity. So nobody's growing. You know, David's known for for uh, you know fast moving companies. And, and growing in, in the industry, and so I'd say it's a great place to work. And except you're trying to break in, it's it's such an exciting you know field and industry, and you've got a, a ton of interest both inside and outside. And, and I love travel, and you typically see that people that want to join an airline love to travel as well. Lucas, is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners about Breeze? No, you know, I would just say, you know, check out our flights at flybreeze.com. Um, it's a gorgeous plane. You know, we love we love uh, the product and rollout. We actually just announced a first-class experience. It's going to be called Breeze Ascent. Uh, just came out today. So we had a, a big inaugural event down in Providence, down to LAX, which is our currently longest flight. So uh, it's going to have Wi-Fi. We've got two uh, aircraft equipped with Wi-Fi right now. But uh, by the first quarter of next year, all of our Air 220s are going to be retrofitted with Wi-Fi, with streaming, with entertainment. Um, it's a fantastic fantastic product and uh yeah we're really really excited and so happy to be here in portland lucas thank you so much for joining us here on the airplane geeks thank you again we're talking with julie oliphant with breeze airways she's based in provo utah but here at portland maine for the celebration julie welcome to portland thanks i love it here well, we hope maybe you'll stay. I'd love to. But tell us a little bit about how you got involved with Breeze and what your position is here. Thanks for asking. I got involved with Breeze um, after the pandemic. I was with JetBlue for 15 years. I worked in IT and uh, left in 2020 and was bored. And when Breeze started up in 2021, I thought, maybe I'll give it another shot. So I applied and was in the reservations department for a little bit, and then I came to the training team a year ago. So you're a trainer for all these new crew that are coming here to work Portland, Maine. That's right. We train. um, We have great business partners, and we help the business partner train the people here above the wing and below the wing. So that's people who work on the ramp, people who work on the ticket counter, bags, and the gate. So if you're in training, you've obviously opened other locations as well. How's Portland going in comparison to the others, and what others have you been to? Uh, Well, Portland is 
lovely. It's so green here. That's one difference. Um, just the location. It's lovely to have a smaller airport. Um, I've been in Cincinnati, LAX, Las Vegas, Provo, of course. Let's see. I can't remember. South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina. So um, I've been in a couple openings. The, I prefer the smaller airports. It's so easy to get in and out. And you don't have the huge like bag belts that take forever to get to the gate. Um, so, yeah, I prefer to be here. And you're happy with the crew you found? Oh, yeah. They're super enthusiastic. Uh, we Brian here is the station manager. He's wonderful. Uh, he's hired a great crew, and they're very capable, and I'm very happy to work with them. Julie, thank you so much for joining us here on the Airplane Geeks. Thanks so much. Have a good day. We're on board Breeze Airways A220 talking with First Officer Ryan Hamner. And I got to say, Ryan, this is a gorgeous cockpit. It looks like a brand new airplane. Um, what do you think about flying the A220? It's a, it's a gorgeous airplane. It handles great. Um, super easy to fly. Uh, very intuitive system. Uh, the checklists are simple, easy. Um, and overall, it's just an easy, fun, great airplane to fly. Uh, very forgiving all day. No problem. How long have you been with Breeze, and, and how long have you been flying the A220? Um, I got hired a little, about a year ago with Breeze, um, and I've been flying the A220 about three months now, um, and I've been loving every minute of it. Where did you come from? What, were you, what was your equipment before you were on the A220? I was flying uh, corporate jets, uh, Hawker 850s, 800s, um, and single pilot caravan, um, a little bit of Baron flying also, uh, all charter, um, Bahamas, Caribbean, and uh, all around the country. And what pulled you into Breeze and, and, and flying commercial like this? Well, um, Breeze uh, itself, uh, the new company, uh, it's growing, um, which is very exciting. Uh, my father um, was a Virgin America pilot, um, so he knows a lot of people here at Breeze, um, which is very cool. Um, and the airline life I find a little bit better uh, for a younger guy like me. Um, it's a lot of fun working with the crew, um, with you know flight attendants, and it's very satisfying flying 100-something people a day. It's just it, it's the best job ever. Now, we have a lot of really young listeners and a lot of listeners that want to get into aviation, and they're from all over the world. And you're not as young as some of our listeners, but you're a younger guy, and you're you know not like you're new to aviation, but you've been in it for a while. You had to work your way up. What advice would you give somebody that wants to get into aviation these days and wants to be a pilot? Just go for it. Just figure it out. Uh, go to a flight school. It's so simple. Go to a flight school um, and start with a discovery flight. They're like $100. Um, start there, see if you like it, and then uh, figure out a way to do it. There's no better time than now to do it. It's the best job in the world. I get excited to wake up at 3, 4 a.m. every day come out here and do this. It's just overall the best job ever. I truly love it. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us here in the Airplane Geeks. And so we're talking with Paul Bradbury, Jetport Director and longtime friend of the show. Paul, so nice to have you back on the Airplane Geeks. Oh, it's so nice to be with you today, Micah. This is a really big day. Breeze Airways is here. A David Nealon product, the second David Nealon product that you've brought to the airport. I got to ask you, how did you get Breeze to get here? 
Oh, it's 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 a really interesting story. But where where it went is uh, it all happened in just forty eight hours. We'd uh, we'd reached out with them many uh, several months earlier and uh, given them all the, the the market indicators and all the market conditions. But they had another uh, another community that was kind of ahead of us in the mix. And uh, that changed, and uh, and then there's we have an opening. Uh, Portland uh, will come see you, and within 48 hours, we were we had new service ready to go out of Portland, and uh, it was wonderful. So it took 48 hours to pull it all together. Well, at least to get Breeze here. But how how long did it take from that 48 hour period to now? Oh, we've been several months since then. We we knew they were coming, but it's been several months. Obviously, they need to, they need that time. Whenever a carrier comes in and uh, they know they're going to service the market, they need that time to sell seats, and that's a really critical, important. They need those, you know, two three months before just to get it announced, get it out there, get it in the marketplace to fill the planes. I mean, you can't, uh, you have to fill those planes. Uh, what's really interesting in the U.S. domestic market, and, and I know we've discussed this before, is how well U.S. airlines and domestically, they have very high load factors. Uh, and that's a really critical part about making the ticket price cost effective, is to really get those load factors and fill the planes. And, and what is uh, great with Breeze is that they They've seen just a a really nice adoption of their product in this market. So uh, I think we saw that with their, I mean, they announced Tampa and Charleston, and now we have three additional. You know, it's next thing you know, it's they're announcing Norfolk for seasonal, Pittsburgh seasonal, Islip seasonal. So that is a sign that uh, that early bookings were very good, even before the plane was flying, right? <laughs> Yeah, and it is a gorgeous product. I was just on board, and it's a beautiful airplane. I mean, not just because it's an A220, but they have it really configured very, very nicely. i got to ask you, so in several months, the breeze needs to fill everything up. What happens at the airport? What did the jet port have to do over those several months to get ready for breeze? So there, there's actually quite a bit, and uh, and I know your listeners are very familiar with this. So, uh, but yes, you have to get the all the ticket encounters, all the common use ticket encounters. They need to get space. They need to hire underwing personnel. We have to make sure that the apron is marked for their fleet type. You know, make sure in this case the A220 has is properly marked at the gate they'll be using. Uh, so all of that, our IT working with uh, the company that we use for our common use gate terminals is is Amadeus. Uh, so. We're Working with them, working with our IT people on the on the ground, renting space. Then they issue an, a, a, a bid to help with their underwing and servicing the aircraft. So all of that goes into the mix uh, to make sure that we're ready to go. Uh, it doesn't just happen overnight, is correct. Does it take you longer or does it take the airline longer to plan for this? So, so obviously, the airline has more because it's their product and they're doing all their flight and all their prep to, uh, to make sure they have a product. Uh, so it's longer for them. This one was a little more interesting for us because we have such a busy, you know, our summers are really busy. We actually had to do more IT work than we originally anticipated just due to the, I mean, it appears that we'll have 18 aircraft remain overnight. And uh, so we have more aircraft remaining overnight this summer than we have gates. So there was a little more work this time than there typically would be to, uh, to, to welcome a new airline. So let me ask you this. It's kind of a crazy question, but I'll ask it anyway to give our listeners an idea. And in case any airline owner or board is listening and they want to come to Portland, if they wanted to come here and they were all set, how quickly could you fit them in? 
so we, we, we do have, it depends on their schedule, right? That's really the big part is uh, we have our, you know, our signatory airlines have preferential gates, but it's really just working in their flight schedule. We have a very busy morning, a very busy midday, and a very busy evening. So those are, but if you can offset for those schedule, we can accommodate very quickly. But right now, during peak times, most of our gates are full is the answer. And that's a good thing. It's an extremely good thing. And, and I always say for, uh, you know, we are Portland, Maine. We're part of a, the state of Maine has one, just over 1.2 million total people living here, residents. And uh, we're part of a metropolitan statistical area of just over a half a million in the greater Portland area. So we're just really blessed with some exceptional, exceptional air service. So I can't thank, you know, our, you know, our flyers enough, the people right here in Portland, because it's, it's really, that's what makes this happen not the airport. So let me ask you one more question. Are there any other Portland Jetport updates that you can clue our listeners in about? I know there's not anything that you can say absolutely specifically, but what should we be looking for over the next couple of years? So again, it's, you know, let's, let's just say it, the, the CDC, the pandemic's over, right? And we are seeing some really great adoption coming out of the pandemic. Uh, things are very much experiential. Our People are trying to get out and travel and make up for lost time. So, And we want to make sure we have a product that connects them to that. We're also behind. So we've deferred several projects during the pandemic. We talked about in the past our Federal Inspection Services facility so that we could have Customs and Border Protection right here in Portland. We have... Uh, project down in the uh, the west end you know gates 11 12 13 to get full passenger boarding bridges in those to accommodate new entrants so some big projects that we want to keep moving on uh then even in the in the terminal gate concourse uh we're already seeing some capacity issues on that front everything from you know what, what people would think is more mundane but even restroom space right some of these issues another one that caught us really you know a little bit surprising but when when i describe it your listeners will be like that makes perfect sense but uh coming out of the pandemic we we have this thing that there's more remote work and and we don't think about this but remote work allows our passengers to be gone longer so what was once a three-day duration now people are gone five days or if it was a week trip they're gone they're they're bookending because they can work remotely on the the start and the end of the trip so whether it's business or leisure people are staying away longer and that causes this really uh somewhat interesting thing that i wouldn't have wouldn't have expected more parking so a demand for more parking because as vehicles have a longer dwell time it means we need more parking so we're also looking at parking expansions uh, Long story. Yeah. yeah, as I pulled in this morning, I saw that the long-term lots right by the airport were full, and that was at 8 o'clock this morning. So that's really amazing. It is. It's, it's, uh, and, and unfortunately, you can't respond with bricks and mortar as fast as demographic kind of this, this issue has arisen. So we're, we're already, it will take months to permit and, uh, and get under construction, get approved for fu- financing and funding, uh, more parking. But it's, it's needed. It was needed yesterday. I mean, over the school vacation, we saw we were, we were parking vehicles even uh, miles from here on, in a former property that used to be owned or leased by WEX. So we, we were parking vehicles out there and running our parking shuttle at that parking lot, as well as our discounted parking at a pink lot out on District Road. So all hands on deck to try to make sure that when people come here, we can get them parked and get them on their flight. Paul, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today, and thanks for being a friend of the Airplane Geeks. Thank you. Always a pleasure. 
So we're speaking with Lynn Tillotson, who's the president and CEO of VisitPortland.com. And Lynn, welcome to the Airplane Geeks podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Lynn, tell me a little bit about Visit Portland and what it's all about. So Visit Portland is a destination marketing organization. Our whole mission is to make sure that we are promoting the Portland area for visitation, whether it's visitors of couples and or families or meetings and conferences, sporting events, destination weddings, motor coaches and cruises. It's anything that brings visitors to the area. So having Breeze Airways fly in here and become a new airline serving the Portland Jetport must be a big coup for you guys. It really is. It's opening up markets that weren't previously on the options to fly in and out of the Portland airport. So it's it's the it's you know things like Tampa and Orlando and Charleston. Those are all areas that they haven't had a direct flight before. So when people who have never been here before, people from away as we like to say, think of Portland, they think of lighthouses and lobster. What else should they think about? It's a lot of culture. The food and art and theater and live music. And Portland is Maine's largest city, and it really is a nice city, a very approachable city, though. It's very walkable, and you can do anything. You can enjoy all of that, and then within 10 minutes, be in nature and go for a hike or get out on the bay and, and go for a boat ride. That's what I always say to my friends. Portland is one of those cities where you can be on the ocean in the morning and you can be in the mountains in the afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. With only an hour and a half to the mountains and the lakes, it's just so beautiful there and so picturesque. And really, I mean, from a, Portland's a decent-sized city, but if you wanted to be close to a major city, we're only an hour and a half from Boston as well. So I'm a traveler to Portland. I'm coming here for the first time. I just get off the airplane here at the Portland Jetport. What's my destination? What am I going to do? Give me an itinerary for the day. Oh, gosh. The, oh, my gosh. There's so much to do. I would definitely head downtown, explore downtown, definitely get a meal, maybe some beverages at one of the breweries, get out on the water. Casco Bay has hundreds of islands off the coast of Portland that you can enjoy and explore. Um, at night, take in a show or a theater and then finish with an amazing dinner. Lynn, that sounds great. You know what? Let's go do that. That sounds good to me. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Airplane Geeks podcast. Thanks, Micah, for capturing those interviews. Now, on to the conversation Micah and Brian had with Cranky. They talk about the Cranky Empire, which has grown to include Cranky Flyer Blog and Cranky Concierge, which offers domestic and international travel planning, but also Cranky Network Weekly, the Cranky Network Awards, and the popular Cranky Dorkfest. There's even a Cranky Talk podcast. Here we go. So, Brett, welcome back to the Airplane Geeks podcast. Thank you very much. You know, a lot of people have, have, have heard us mention your name, usually not in vain, many, many times. And uh, we talk about Cranky, and we're referring to Cranky Flyer. We're return, referring to Cranky Concierge. Tell us a little bit about Cranky and where that came from. Oh, there's there's so much Cranky. Uh, so it first started in 2006 when I started writing about the airline industry at CrankyFlyer.com. And the name actually came up because uh, a friend of mine who was pushing me to start this, her nickname for me was Cranky Pants. Uh, and so she kind of named it and it stuck. So so that's how we ended up. 
now wait, I'm kind of curious. Why'd you call you cranky pants? Since it seems like every time we've spoken, you've been quite pleasant and happy. Yeah, well, you know, usually in in most public settings, I am. But you know, I can I can be. <laughs> I, I mean, sure, something like this. Yeah, but no, I mean, you know, I can get annoyed and and. This is a friend from from grad school, so certainly you know saw the the best and the worst of me, I'm sure. So, but it was an endearing nickname. So, uh, ah, there you, <laughs> you go. Know. I mean, you know, everyone can get cranky. I guess I can uh, get a little more so than than most or something. I don't know. Brett, tell us a little bit about the cranky empire because it's turned into a huge empire these days. Yeah, we have a lot of different pieces to it here. So. Crankyflyer.com was the first part of it. In uh, 2009 is when I started Cranky Concierge. Uh, so started as just air travel assistants. We're effectively full service travel agency now with just about 25 people. So we, we've grown quite a bit there now, doing everything from booking flights to monitoring, helping when things go wrong, you know, hotels, cars, we kind of do it all. So um, that's one big piece of the empire. And then something that has really actually came out of the pandemic uh, when we were trying a whole bunch of different things to see what would stick uh, is we have uh, Cranky Network Weekly, which is our weekly analyst report that looks at Sirium's uh, schedule change data that comes in on Friday nights. We turn that around and, and get it out to Sunday to subscribers, uh, analyzing the top trends and the schedule changes. And then, you know, we've created our own forecasts and all these kind of things. And out of that came the Cranky Network Awards, where we do our annual schedule route network uh, planning um, award program, awarding some. I mean, they're all positive. Uh, we didn't want an award show that was negative. No one would show up <laughs> to accept the awards. <laughs> As fun as it might be, uh, but um, you know we we kind of mess around a little bit. Like we have the sexiest new route and things like that that we award. So as opposed to the airline that cut the most flights from Des Moines, for example. Yeah. Well, no one wants to get up there and accept that award. So we, we kind of we realized that one pretty quick that if this wasn't a positive, fun filled event, no one's going to show up. So right. uh, it it has it's in its third year now. Uh, we've had two of those years in person. Well, usually it's the last Thursday in February, but next year Leap Day ruined that. So it's it's going to be February 22nd next year. Next year, it's, it's going to be in Oakland. You know, that's been a lot of fun uh, to put that together as well. So those are kind of the big pieces uh, at the moment. But, you know, there's and of course, uh, Cranky Dork Fest, which uh, is at LAX every September. Uh, this year is September 9th, uh, 11 to 1 as usual. Come out, watch airplanes, and we'll see what the airlines want to give away and all that kind of stuff. So those are kind of the big pieces. Yeah, it's always fun out there interviewing you for that. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a good, good time. And Dorkfest is really an amazing success story because it just started. I remember, I can't remember when, but I remember it started was, hey, I'm going to have burgers at the In-N-Out Burger. If you want to come meet me, drop by. And now it's turned into a, almost a, an international event. Yeah, it's really funny how that's how that one really came together. And there's still, you know, the hardest part at this point is trying to keep it just as at the core of what it is, which is just watching airplanes, because you have a lot of people that want to participate and you know, different sponsor, whatever. I don't want any of that. <laughs> this is just an an absolute, like, let's sit here, watch airplanes, talk shop, have fun and eat uh, a double double. You know, the, the hard part is just keeping it to that kind of core fun thing and not turning it into a circus. 
Yeah, but it was nice for the giveaways, um, having you mic'd so people could actually hear you. So that was a nice addition. That was a nice addition. That is thanks to Lawa. Thanks to LAX. I, I really uh, hope that we can have that again this year uh, because there was a lot of time before saying, what, what, <laughs> what, what did he say? <laughs> it's It's gotten big enough. We need something to, to, you know, make sure people can listen. So. But you have celebrities dropping by now, too. I mean, not just our favorite Aunt Bonet, but, you know, Johnny Jett's been there and the CEO of United's been there giving out burgers. I mean, it's been just crazy. Yeah, they, you know, it, it really started um, ramping up before the pandemic. I think then it, you know, we took one year off and then it has been a little more mellow on the, uh, as, as you call them, celebrity side. But uh, but you always get, you know, usually some execs that show up from different airlines like to show up. And, and the giveaways are a lot of fun because some of the airlines try to top one another and think like, ah, I want I want to make sure I have the best thing to give away. And uh, and so it's resulted in some pretty cool stuff. Like, I don't know, when United had that uh, the boom model mm-hmm. they gave out right. yeah 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 uh, you know alaska has been great with uh they they gave away a seat on like the last q400 ride and so a, a few of those are just really fun to to get the airlines just having fun with it. it it's again like the cranky network awards it's a very positive fun event so those are the most fun to do i guess when everyone's just having a good time and kind of supporting each other yeah, and even the co-founder of the Airplane Geeks has been spotted there a few times, Courtney Miller. Oh, yeah. And Court, for the record, is uh, one of the uh, – he's my my partner in crime on the uh, Cranky Network Awards and Cranky Network Weekly. So the ties go deep here. Anybody that's read the Cranky Flyer is not only informed and gets a lot of great information from it, but also gets some great laughs and, and great ideas. And uh, uh, one of my favorites is uh, the Jackass Awards. Yeah. And, you know, I, I used to give those out a lot more and I've, I've been like much more careful about it. I feel like I need to, you know, just keep it on a pedestal or something and make it really bad. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I should do it more often and and lower the threshold again. So what was the most recent Jackass award that you gave out? I actually wrestled with it when American, um, decided to completely redo their sales strategy, fire half their team and pull 40% out of the, of their fares out of third parties. And I, I almost did it. And I was like, you know what? I, I just want to focus on the issue at hand here. And so I didn't do it, but uh, I can't even remember what the last one was. Well, I'm sure our listeners could look it up too, because they should really check out the Cranky Flyer website. And uh, the last one that I read, I, I just had the opportunity uh, to meet up with Breeze when they started service to Portland, Maine, and uh, got to see their their A320 and, and meet with some of their people. And uh, and and I, and I like what they're doing. I think it's going to be fun. David Nealman, he's obviously he's a success story in the airline business, and you can argue as to you know what was good and what was bad. But you know, Breeze, at least here in Portland, seems like a good thing. But you wrote. And I loved this. It just cracked me up. You wrote, uh, I'm going to quote, not to be missed in the announcement, the carrier also declared itself as the world's first NLCC, the nice low-cost carrier, which isn't the thing, <laughs> which is so true, but so hysterical at the same time. So I have to give credit on that, on on the Friday roundups that we do with all the news. Andrew on my team 
he wrote that particular joke. We we go back and forth with it, but Andrew is the mastermind behind some of these jokes. He is one of the funniest people you will ever meet. So, but yeah, the NLCC, that one, when I read that, that one got a laugh out loud from me. Yeah, I thought it was great. And you're right. It isn't a thing, but you know, maybe it should be. I mean, uh, I think David Nealman sort of started that with JetBlue, which was originally low cost and was trying to treat people nicely and uh, not low cost anymore. Who knows what's going to happen with Breeze? It all sounds good. The problem is people don't value it being nice. So, I mean, they may say they do, but in the end, they buy the cheapest ticket on the nonstop flight. So it's it's a, it's an uphill battle, I think, for these guys, but never count out Nealman. He's done this way too many times uh, <laughs> and made it work. Yeah, I call it uh, all uh, the P.T. Barnum of airlines, not Breeze, but all of those ULCCs. You know, there's a sucker born, born every minute. If it's a dollar <laughs> cheaper, they're going to go for it, regardless of what kind of service they're getting. Yeah, sometimes. And, and it's it's frustrating, too, because in other parts of the world, we, we've had more consistently reliable ULCCs. And so the U.S., we're kind of in a, in a different place there. Spirit's made a lot of progress over the years, no question. But, you know, you really end up having to look at little guys, like Avello has probably been one of the more reliable ones, Sun Country. But uh, the big guys have struggled with that. And I, I think it makes it a different world than like flying Ryanair, where they almost always are on time. Right. But it's other things when it comes to pricing, at least from my perspective, by the time you add up all the add-ons, the ticket easily can cost more than one of the majors. And that's what I think Micah is always entertained with the phrase ultra low cost carrier when they're not. Well, they, I mean, they, well, costs and fares are different. Yes. <laughs> to be fair, um, they are ultra low cost compared to the others for sure. But on the fair side, even it just depends what you need. Or what you care about, right? I mean, if, if you are a truly price sensitive traveler, then you can just buy that base level. Don't get a seat assignment. Yeah. Don't have a bottle of water. Don't have a meal. Don't have a checked bag. Yeah. Or have a checked bag. Don't have a carry on because they'll charge you more for the carry on actually. But, um, and it depends how long you're going for, right? So, I mean, there are ways that you can try and engineer this if you need to. And it, it can absolutely be cheaper. Other times it may not be, but you know, it also depends what you're doing. I mean, if you're on spirit in the big front seat, historically that's been cheaper than flying first class on anyone else. And if you don't care about the food and, and the drinks and just care about the seat itself, that can be a great deal, but you do have to compare and it's not the easiest thing to do because if you see these airlines on an online travel agent, like Expedia or something, you know, they're not going to be comparing apples to apples and and that exactly. can be tough. So it, it does, it takes a little extra effort, but if you know what you need, you can figure out which one's better for you. Yeah. And it used to be uh, we would refer to them. I joke around and instead of saying it's an ultra low cost carrier, I'd call it an ultra low service carrier. But yeah. it's not exactly the point because you're getting that same ultra low service with all the airlines now. Well, it dep I mean, you know, hopefully not if you're in first class or something on one of the big guys. But but yeah, look, I, I just recently I flew to Atlanta on American. They had one pass with a cart. I had a little water and a Biscoff and, and that was it. Never saw them again. Do I care <laughs> if it's a lot cheaper? Maybe I don't. So for a lot of people, they don't care. For a lot of people, they don't care about the service at all, right? A, a lot of people, it's it's the price and it's getting where they need to go on time uh, reliably. 
See, and that's interesting. I just got off a United flight. It was a flight to Denver, and they actually did two beverage services. Well, they did a snack yeah. service and two beverage services. So and that's only, what, two hour and 15 minute flight versus your, what, three and a half hour flight to Atlanta, four hour yeah, flight? Yeah, it was almost four hours on the way out. Yeah. Now, to be fair, there was some weather in part of that, which uh, kept them seated. So that's that's ah, part of it. But sure. Uh, but still, yes. And my return, I flew Delta, and they did two full services and were constantly passing in the cabin and all that. But I think the bigger question is for a lot of people out there, how much do they care? And I think a lot of people don't if the price is right. Yeah, completely agree with that. Yeah. Now, one of the things I was really sad to see go as a result of the pandemic is you were doing the uh, podcast and can't remember what the official name of the cranky podcast was, but I, I miss that. I really do. Yeah. Cranky talk. We still do it, just not on a schedule anymore. So, okay. You know, for us, it's fun. It just was starting to get challenging to keep it on that schedule. So there's one that we're working on. I think we're recording tomorrow. No, a couple of days, whenever. But we're working on that, uh, which is going to be great uh, to get another one back out there. Uh, And I still do, you know, the Cranky Flyer interviews, like executive interviews, whenever I get the chance on that, too. Tell us a little bit more about Cranky Concierge. You know, it's it's a full service travel agency, but so many people these days say, I don't need a travel agency anymore. And I used to say that too, except I've been a customer of Cranky Concierge, as you know. But Cranky Concierge is really, from my perspective, is much more than just a typical, simple travel agency. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the focus that we always had was building this up to have a expert ability, especially on the air travel side. And we've grown into other areas, but you know, the, the idea is that we want to be experts in this and we want to be able to help with a variety of things that may come up along the way. So a lot of it is peace of mind. And so some of that is during the search process. I mean, we already talked about it here, how comparing, you know, your low cost options versus your regular legacy carrier options, all this kind of stuff. It, it's a lot of work to figure out exactly what the differences are, what's out there. So we can help demystify some of that for people. We also can sometimes at least uh, try and put together Things you might not find on your own. I mean, any online search site is going to give you a certain number of options, but it's not going to give you all the options. And so there are things we can put together uh, that can help people get what they need in a in a better way, maybe less expensive. And then when it comes to traveling, you know, we're there 24 hours a day. So we have people that are working. Um, we have tools we've built that internally alert us uh, when there's a problem with anything. We didn't want to build this as something that would alert the traveler, the point is anytime you hear from us as a traveler, you're hearing from a person. So it's definitely not what most startups do. <laughs> it's 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 less tech. I mean, it's tech enabled in a sense, but but it's about that human connection, the ability to talk to somebody. Would you say that most of your customers are building domestic itineraries or international itineraries? Well, we have different types of customers. So you know, we we do handle some business travel, smaller companies that don't have true managed travel through their contracts and all that. Uh, and so those tend to be more domestic. Uh, we do a lot of leisure travel as well, a lot of premium leisure. Those tend to skew more international, the more complicated trips or the ones where people are just more concerned about something going wrong. It's a, it's a big trip in their mind, right? So they want right. some more backing on it. So uh, we're we're all over the place, but certainly I would say more international than domestic. 
Yeah, and I, th- and I think for most customers, that's much harder to deal with, especially when things go wrong. So there's a lot of value add that you provide there. And I think many times people, when they do a big international trip, it's going to be one of those once in a lifetime type trips as well. And you don't want anything to go wrong or you want it to be fixed quickly if something does go wrong. Yeah. And there's a lot more stress involved in it as well, just because you are dealing with something bigger. Maybe it costs a lot more. Maybe you have something on the other end that costs you a lot more for your land program or a cruise or whatever it is that Mm -hmm. it, it just feels a lot bigger than someone saying, I'm just going to Vegas for the weekend. And so when people are thinking about that, they're just much more concerned about it and want more help on that type of thing. Tell us a little bit about flight following. This is the thing that I find the most important in terms of the services that I've received from Cranky Concierge, knowing that things are going to be taken care of for me typically ahead of time. Sure. So what we do is we actually have tools that we've built that alert us internally when there's anything that's an issue on a flight. Uh, If it's a delay, um, cancellation, it could be a diversion, you know, hopefully not, that doesn't happen too often, but delays happen all the time. Uh, And then, you know, we look at it and know, all right, is there an issue with the connection here? Is there something going on? It doesn't catch 100% of everything because as everyone knows, you might be sitting on the airplane and know something's broken before any systems actually know and can alert. But, you know, that's why we always tell people it's it's a partnership. So if you know of a delay, if you hear something, tell us. Uh, But otherwise, you know, we're getting these alerts 24 hours a day um, that we've built in our system. And then we step right in and are able to deal with that. And so for the most part, if it's something that we've booked in our system, which most travel is, uh, we, we do do some award travel and things like that, that that don't have that same ability, but normally we can fix it in our system. So we don't have to go and sit on hold with the airline or, you know, anything like that. We can get it taken care of pretty quickly um, while other people may still be trying to figure out what to do. Yeah. And, and the beauty of it from, 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 again, from my perspective is that if I'm flying someplace and something goes wrong and you see it and you're following it and you've booked my ticket and everything, by the time I land, you can have me rebooked and let me know what's going on and where I'm going. And, and the trip just goes on as planned, although maybe a different airline. Yeah. That's the idea at least. So, (laughs) you know, um, it works great with most airlines, but some airlines, uh, especially with this new, I mean, we don't need to get into it too much, but NDC, this new way of connecting, it, it takes away some of that flexibility we have, which is particularly frustrating about how the airlines are, some airlines are going about implementing this because they haven't really built in all the tools they need yet. So, but mostly that's an issue for us. It just makes it more difficult for us to help people. But in the end, we just figure out how to do it and we do it. Maybe you should let our listeners know what NDC is. I was worried about that. We're going to go into a (laughs) terrible rabbit hole here. It's just a new way of selling tickets through third-party systems. They want more flexibility and more control. So they have something called NDC, which is just a standard that they develop around. And uh, it's something that then enables the airlines to have more control, create more offers, do all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, it, it takes more of that control away from the agents like us who can normally do more. Um, and I think part of it's because this isn't it hasn't been fully built out yet by every airline. Not all functionality is supported. And it's um, very frustrating to see this get pushed out well before it's ready. Again, that's this sort of inside baseball and that it's something that we just have to deal with differently. 
doesn't necessarily impact the traveler. It's, it just may take a little longer sometimes to get resolution. Cranky Concierge has been in business for 20 years now, almost, maybe longer. Uh, now 14 years. It was 2009 is when we started. Yeah. Over that time, you have saved the day countless times for countless people. <laughs> what comes to mind in terms of some of the amazing things that you have done or strange things that you have done that people might not have think of? I'm sure there are stories, and I know that's the kind of thing that our listeners would want to know about. Some of the, the amazing saves that you've made or things that you've done or rebooked or or, or you know, when you think about that, it starts to feel so routine after a while because you just, I mean, there are a lot of problems, right? So there are a lot of things that you need to do to help people. But my favorite of all time that I remember, and this goes way back. So this was back when the Icelandic volcano erupted, if you remember that one. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Was, I mean, more than 10 years ago now, I think. I, I can't remember exactly when, but we had this one woman, she, she had to get to Nice for, I don't remember, it was some like dance championship or some, some sort of thing that she was just, I have to be there. If you remember, like most of Northern Europe, airspace was closed. <laughs> like there was just almost no option here. And she was in Los Angeles and she was willing to do anything to get there. And it was nearly impossible. But what we were able to do was we put her on El Al and she went LA to Tel Aviv and then Tel Aviv to Barcelona, which Spain was still open. And then she, I don't remember if it was a train or a bus or whatever, but she got her way to Nice from there and made it. And that was one of my favorites just because of how random and obscure it was. But that was a good one. You see, that's that's what you guys do is, is you find the connections. You find the way to get there that, that nobody else would think of. And whether it, and it might end up, you know, in the long run being a bus or a train or, or a boat. But if somebody has to get there, you'll find them a way to get there. Yeah, for sure. We I and that brings up you talk about a boat. This brings up another one. I had a someone that we were helping that was in London several years ago when there was some ice storm or whatever it was in the place everything was just snarled and he was flying I think it was British Airways to Paris and then connecting to Air Tahiti Nui back to LA. Another LA story here. BA canceled their flights. They all the flights were canceled, but Paris was still operating just fine. And so he was sitting here with in the afternoon one day saying, all right, need to get home. My flight leaves from Paris. I don't know what it was, 11 a.m. the next day or something. How do I do it? The Eurostar was also not operating or was severely reduced. So there was no room or something because of the, the issue. We ended up getting this guy, took a, a, a local train down to Dover. They still have some ferries that go from Dover to Calais. This was at like 11 or 12 at night. It was operating. And he took this ferry over, then got on a train that then had to connect somewhere else, pulled into CDG with enough time, got on the plane and just passed out and made it home. <laughs> so, you know, we, what we say to Best people is, ever. I mean, he doesn't remember it. So, yeah. <laughs> but, but what we say to people is, like, we'll get as creative as you want. You know, there's a cost involved, depending on what you want to do, uh, and also some pain that could be involved. But because for some people, they'd look at that and say, you know what, I'll just stay here another day. I, I don't want to deal with this. For him, it was, I think this is the flight home was on Christmas Eve, needed to get home for the family or something like that. And just said, I don't care, just get me there. So, you know, it's really up to people on on how creative they want to get. And you have... uh it used to be three different services. I don't remember what it was. You have, you know, the booking service, you had the flight following service, and then you also have emergency services. Is that still the case? So we don't have the monitoring flight following. We don't have that as a standalone anymore. 
it's become harder and harder to deal with airlines if we haven't booked it. We just have less less flexibility and realize that the the effort that we had to put into doing that since we you know if we haven't booked it we can't deal with any of the uh, the airline special desks that we have through our booking service or anything we just have to go through the same channels as everyone else we just don't really have the ability to be that useful on regular flight monitoring so um, we got rid of that and it's to get that you have to book through us in the first place. We still do have urgent assistance. And so if somebody is stuck and they just are out of luck at wit's end, maybe don't have access to the internet or whatever it may be, you know, then we can step in as, you know, something's already gone wrong. We can step in with urgent assistance and help with that. But the vast majority of the people that we help, they book through us in the first place. And that urgent assistance, and if they book through you, obviously, as well, but that's it's 24 hours a day. There's a phone number that you can call if someone comes up. Yeah, we, we are available 24 hours a day. If you call the phone number outside of regular hours, though, uh, it will go to a voicemail, which you leave, and then it'll alert us, and someone will call you back. So we don't have someone that's just answering the phone specifically in the middle of the night, but it's quick. It's, it's a quick response. But yeah, we're always always available. We always have people working. And then how are the best ways to get a hold of you? I'm assuming it's crankyconcierge.com. You have a Twitter account and we do, but I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> I mean, we have a Twitter account. We don't really, we don't use that for urgent service or anything like that. So, you know, the, the best way to find us is crankyconcierge.com. And then of course, if, if, you know, you can sign up online and do all that, you can also call us the regular number is 747. 200 40 200 we do we have a toll-free number if anyone cares about that anymore of course 888-747-1011 i love the numbers the first one area code 747 that must yep. have something to do with something and then 747-1011 boy yeah you got two two great airplanes there it was definitely on purpose so <laughs> <laughs> someone was thinking yeah so one more thing before we go for the cranky flyer What's coming up in the news? What should we be looking at? What are you watching now that uh, that we can look forward to in, in 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 the next few weeks, few months, few days, whatever it happens to be? What what's what's happening in the airline business that's that's exciting you? Oh, that's exciting me, or that everyone's talking about? <laughs> Those are different things. Well, <laughs> let's go with let's let's ask both questions, and you can answer either or both. Well, I think you know what people are talking about right now is just how will the summer play out. People are wondering if it's going to be a, a mess, a disaster, delays, cancellations, all that, or if it'll all go fine. I think the answer to that is what's the weather like? <laughs> and that's so I can't predict it. And so I think it's you know silly to really even start speculating. But I think that it's fair to say that the airlines are going to be full. Well, sure. Yeah. And certainly when I flew back from Denver two hours before boarding, there was probably 20, 25 seats unassigned. When I uh, pushed back from the gate, it was 100% full. And there were still, I think, 17, 18 people on the standby list that didn't clear. Yeah, that's a that's a lot. I think that's normal. Yeah. Look, I mean, that part is normal, but flights are it's summer. Flights are full and we still have this issue where regional capacity is below where it where they want it to be. We still have issues on aircraft delays being delivered. 
So the airlines don't have the capacity they want to put out there. So things will absolutely be full. They'll be very busy. You may want to leave more time getting in and through airports for that reason. The airlines say operationally they're ready. I tend to think that's probably true. But if thunderstorms sit on top of New York City for a week, then you're never ready. It doesn't matter. Or if there's a you know a storm that runs down the uh, the Mississippi River and bisects the country, like you, there's nothing you can do. So that's the biggest wild card to me. Uh, I suppose air traffic control staffing is another wild card, which seems to be something that there's only so much the airlines could have done, but the federal government failed to prepare us for for that one. So so yeah, there there are uh, definitely some wild cards, but you know it's hard to say how those will play out. Uh, so that's why I just don't really find this all that interesting to talk about. <laughs> well, I think Mel Brooks said it best when it comes right down to it. It was in the second film, 12 Chairs. He wrote the song, hope for the best, expect the worst. And, you know, it'll be fine. Yeah, well, that's that's it. And I think that's how the airlines have approached it, at least, you know, trying to, well, expect the worst in the sense being that they've prepared for that hopefully but but even the worst i mean you can't you can't prepare for the worst right because the thunderstorm sitting over the airport the only way to prepare for that is by cutting your arrivals in half and no one's right. going to like ticket prices if that happens so uh, and that doesn't happen every day anyway so such That's is true. life okay, so what about the second half of the question though what what yeah. what are you excited about what are you looking at oh well i don't know there's a few things i mean the uh the, the regulatory stuff has been pretty fun these days to watch. Uh, you know, we have the fight over slots in Tokyo right now has been just thoroughly enjoyable. Delta wants flexibility to move their slots to other places. United says that's garbage and uh, they're all fighting it out. And it's been hilarious to watch. Uh, so, you know, those are a little top of mind. But look, the most interesting thing of all is the Spirit JetBlue merger, the JetBlue uh, American Northeast Alliance that just got shot down by the judge. Uh, you know, there's this is kind of a new world here where people are trying to figure out what they can and can't do with a more active government. And uh, it's it's proving to be challenging for some of these guys to navigate it so far. So I, I'm really on on the NEA, on the Northeast Alliance, uh, I'm really enjoying watching this one. It's really fun. <laughs> and so therefore, you don't think that story is over. You think that's going to continue for months into the future? Well, the story's not over for sure, because, you know, the the way that the feds rolled it out there or the judge rolled it out there was, look, you have to unwind this in 30 days. I mean, that is, I think, very problematic. The, the airlines could do that, but it's not a. It's not a great plan. So, uh, you know, I think that there will be at least an effort to try and and get a little more of a useful and rational extension on that to prevent impacting travelers. But then, you know, will there be an appeal? Will the airlines want to try and move that forward? I don't really know. I'm particularly interested to see how they view that and whether they want to keep uh, keep moving forward or not. Uh, and so that's really interesting. And then we roll right into the, the spirit jet blue merger trial, which will happen in the fall. So that's going to be uh, an, an all jet blue kind of year. <laughs> and you're going to be covering them extensively in the cranky flyer newsletter. I mean, I will, if there's news, right? Like as, as long as there's news to be, uh, 
to, to be reported, then sure, uh, I will absolutely cover it. But uh, right now I'm playing a little bit of the waiting game to see how they want to try and move forward on this. My favorite story recently about um, with the government trying to work things out for passengers was uh, what Barry Biffle said about uh, uh, about about how to fix it. He says, just reimpose Rule 240, which I think is just crazy. You know, I mean, Rule 240 existed when there was regulation of, of, of airline fees and, 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 and fares. And uh, it just doesn't work anymore. And it especially doesn't work when you're, you've got full airlines, you know, there's no capacity. How can you implement that? And when one airline fails, expect the other airlines to pick up. And Micah, who's Barry Biffle? He's the CEO of Frontier. Yeah, I, you know, I actually like the, the idea. I, I'm a fan of requiring that airlines uh, be willing to take other passengers uh, if they have room. But the settlement is not so easy. So you need to have some sort of agreed upon settlement rate between the airlines on how that works. It can't be as simple as, you know, forcing them to just take the fare. I mean, Frontier may have a really low, terrible fare and forcing someone else to take the fare at a, at a certain exceedingly low rate. That probably doesn't work. So, you know, it's not as simple as just flipping a switch and saying go. But if another airline has a seat available and you have a problem on your airline, then it seems really crazy to me that there shouldn't be some mechanism in place to make that work. I completely agree. But I think that the key factor there is, is what you said, if they have a seat available and we're just not finding that as often as we once did. Oh, sure. But that doesn't mean that, you know, you can't try. I mean, all it's you true. need is That's one, true. right? Yep. So. Yep. Well, or in the case of Southwest, you needed several, what, hundred thousand seats when they had their meltdown. Oh, sure. But, you know, in that case, look, with Southwest, I mean, if you have a massive meltdown like that, then there's only so much you can do with that. You're not going to have a real option here to to reaccommodate everyone, but you might be able to reaccommodate some people. Yeah, absolutely. Anything also that would enable some people to be able to to really move themselves without having to deal with someone at say Southwest. I mean, if they could walk up to American and American could take that ticket and the settlement rate is is already known and whatever it is, then they don't have to worry about, oh, the line to talk to someone at Southwest is 12 hours mm-hmm. or something like that. So, you know, I think a, a structured program like this could create opportunities to fill those seats. And those are seats the, those other airlines aren't going to fill anyway. So, you know, this should be something that they should be able to, uh, to make work, but uh, they'll fight it. They always do. I mean, Frontier likes it because they don't have partners that'll take their people. So they, they want it. No, I completely agree with you. I, I don't think it's going to solve the problem, but I think it should definitely exist. Yeah. And from a customer perspective, I really like being able to walk up to any ticket counter you know, next available flight and say, hey, there's a seat. Put me on it. And that's just a great convenience. It would be a convenience. Now, the argument that a lot of the big guys make is, hey, we invest in these types of things. The low cost carriers, you're paying less. You don't you're paying for less. And one of those things means no reaccommodation in the same way. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of ways to look at this. But ultimately, I just think if there is a, a, a flight and look, OK, we have this airline. My flight's delayed. I'm not going to make it. Well, if that airline has another way of getting you there within a certain period of time, great. Do that. But right. if that airline can't get you there for three years <laughs> and Southwest has a flight tomorrow or United or whatever, right. or today, I mean, th- this is frustrating. Like, you know, to see a seat going empty somewhere that you could be in, um, that is particularly frustrating and it doesn't really help anyone. So, uh, you know, that's something I, I think that they could take action on. But I agree, Mike, it, it just 
it wouldn't help all those people stuck on Southwest. Like it's not going to help that many people. Uh, there were just so many people impacted, but it's still better to have it than not. No, absolutely. And, yep. and I just want to say, I don't want to just be giving Southwest a bad name. Let's talk about Spirit had that same problem happen a, a few months before that. So, I mean, everybody's oh, had sure. the issue. Yeah, yeah no Southwest is just the most recent. <laughs> right, right. So, Brett, how can people subscribe to the Cranky Flyer newsletter? So for Cranky Flyer, you can go to crankyflyer.com and there's a place to sign up there. There's no cost for that. Uh, if people are interested in Cranky Network Weekly, that there is a cost to that. That's a subscription product. So that one's at crankynetworkweekly.com. And then Cranky Concierge, crankyconcierge.com. Yeah, that one's crankyconcierge.com. That's the place to sign up. And if people want to wanna ping me, I'm still on Twitter, apparently. That they haven't found anything better yet. So at Cranky Flyer, you can tweet me in until I decide I can't take it anymore over there. So you haven't yeah. set up a Mastodon account yet? No, I'm, I'm <laughs> waiting for something to like, look, I know there are all these different options. We can do this. We can do that. I don't, I don't have patience for this. I just want to wait until I know where everyone's going to go. And then if it goes there, I will move, but I'm not an early adopter. I'm just going to sit back and keep using Twitter until <laughs> it falls into a pile of flames and self-destructs. It goes into the bit bucket. Yeah. And what's nice is, you know, you may be cranky in, but you'll watch where people go. You never tell them where to go. Although sometimes you want to. Uh, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't attest. Cranky Concierge is a great service. I have used it. I will use it again. Cranky Flyer is a lot of fun to read. It always keeps you updated on the news, plus great opinions. And it's always a little bit cranky. And that's the fun part. So I highly suggest that our listeners give it a check. Check it out. And I guess the podcast isn't over yet either. So they could go listen to the podcast because I definitely enjoyed that. They can. I mean, we always post that on crankyflyer.com. Anytime there is an episode, it gets posted as a as a post on Cranky Flyer. So if you subscribe there, you'll see it. But it is called Cranky Talk, and you can get it on any podcast service that you use. Uh, you just search for it, and it'll pop up. Brett, thank you so much for joining us again on the Airplane Geeks. It's always great to have you here. Yeah, it's always fun to come. I, I stopped counting. I don't even know how many times this is now. But I think it's the, it's either fifth or sixth. Excluding the interviews I've done with you on Cranky oh, Dorkfest. Dork yeah. yeah I, I think three more and you get the uh, the jacket. I'm not sure, Ooh. but I think that's what <laughs> All right. Three All right. more. Mark it down. I really need to get to a Cranky Dorkfest sometime. It's definitely on the bucket list. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Airplane Geeks podcast. Find show notes at airplanegeeks.com. There's also a PayPal donation link there if you'd like to help support the show financially. And our email address is thegeeks at airplanegeeks.com. Write to us if you'd like an invitation to join our Slack listener team or our Discord server. So please join us again next time as we talk aviation on the Airplane Geeks podcast. Bye, everybody.